This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast, and today we are welcoming back my good friend, dare I say, sister from another mister, Dr. Asherina <laughs> Reem, psyched mommy. <laughs> and she's in the intro with me because we're so excited to be here together today. So hello, Dr. Reem. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is my IG international bestie. And we are going to talk some real, real talk today, some truth today about yeah. resentment in our partnerships, in our relationships, because if you're in a partnership and you've had a baby, you know that there is a major shift that not only happens in our own identity as a mother, as a parent, but also in our relationships with our partners. So in true Asherina and Erica fashion, I'm going to cue that tune. Oh my God, we're back again. <laughs> I can't help it. We're back. We're going to dive on in. It's going to be silly and fun, but also informative and getting down to some of the core things that you guys are confronting in your relationships. So get ready. Let's dive on in. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Welcome back, Dr. Reem. I'm so excited to have you back here today, though we do talk pretty much daily and People are getting to know both you and I from our workshops, our previous episodes. We've done a mommy rage episode, a mommy burnout episode. I feel like there's probably even others that we've done that aren't coming to mind right now, but welcome back. So excited you're here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a good time, isn't it? It, it is always a good time. <laughs> I'm so excited. I feel like one day we should go on tour because that's like how much fun we have together. For those who are listening, who are not as familiar with you as I am, I prepped mm -hmm. a little this or that game. Okay. And no pressure, but this could like make or break our relationship <laughs> a little bit. So a little pressure, I guess. A little pressure. Okay. Are you nervous. ready? I'm ready. Okay. Mariah or Whitney? Mariah. What? Already? My favorite. Yes. Since I was, I first concert I went to, Mariah Carey. Love really? Her. Like listeners like that don't know us, we are kind of twins. We are the same <laughs> Enneagram type. I feel like we have a very similar upbringing. So many things about us are so similar. And that's why I'm saying that this is going to make or break us because this is really the, the truth of, of what matters mm. here. Okay, okay. Sweet or salty? Both. I love them together. You know, I always feel like you should start with something sweet and then you switch to something salty and then you keep going back and forth until you're just ready for bed. Content. I know. <laughs> I would agree. I, but if I had to pick sweet, it's totally a mood thing for me. Yes, it is for it's sure. It's like totally a mood thing. Yeah. Coffee or wine? Coffee. Coffee too. That's something I couldn't live without. Like people who are like, I don't drink any caffeine. Those I'm always just mind blown. And I wish I could be that person, but I'm not. That is my husband does <laughs> not drink coffee ever. And I survive off of coffee. So I don't understand, but doesn't drink yeah. coffee at all. Beach or mountains. Okay. I think we differ on this one. I think we probably do. Because you're probably a beach person. Totally a beach person. And I am a mountains person. Yeah. I am bored to tears at a beach. Really? Yes. I cannot lay. You, you guys, like, this is something that people, oh, every time we talk, they're like, you really don't want to go to like a beach resort or like an inclusive resort, which I think is your thing. Yeah. I would be like 
okay, I did that for uh, 30 minutes. (laughs) I'm over it now. What are we doing? It's true. You guys are very adventurous as a family. It's true. Yeah. All right. Here's a mom, this or that. If you had to do the cleanup, poop Mm -hmm. or vomit, like blow out poop everywhere or vomit. Poop. Hands down every day. Vomit brings on like a gag. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry to everyone listening. Who's probably like, what the heck is happening? Okay. Another mom one stroller or baby carrier. Gosh, we're talking like age. I got to know the age. We got to, I have to have some background. My kid's big. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it really, it's true. Little, little ones, usually in the carrier toddlers that flail, definitely stroller. (laughs) Also like what is the necessity? Cause I wore my son like the whole time every day, but that's because he required it. And I actually didn't mind, but I also did like that. I had my hands free that I didn't have to push anything around. Yeah. But now he's big and he's like, would break my back. Although he does, when we go for hikes on the mountains that I love to go to, (laughs) he'll be like three steps in. And he's like, mommy, can you carry me? My, my legs are, I'm tired. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But what do I do? I kneel down (laughs) and I'm like, get on my back. (laughs) And I'm running around and I'm like the next day wondering who I thought I was contemplating your life choices at that point. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Large group or intimate group, intimate group, intimate group. Uh, It also depends on what we're doing, but most of the time, Mm -hmm. this is one that is like really important in my life. You ready? Oh, it's going to be Backstreet Boys question. (laughs) Almost (laughs) not yet. Do you like your water flat or bubbly? Like to drink just plain water, <laughs> yes. flat. Maybe I'm high maintenance because I never drink flat water. I always drink bubbly water. It's a serious like if there is a problem that I have in life, like you know, thing that I just really depend on, it's bubbles in my water. Yeah, I like carbonated beverages probably like all of the day, but water is something I do not. If it's just plain water and it's not flavored, I want yeah. it to be flat. Yeah, I'm the opposite. Soda, like we're staying with my parents right now because we're selling our house. And I brought my entire soda stream machine with me because it's that serious of a commitment. Okay. Actually, two more. Okay. Let's do it. Black Street or New Kids? Black Street. Yeah. It's true. It's true. true. Very last one. You know, this is the make it or break it. (laughs) This is the defining moment of our relationship. Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Since I'm really, truly not a fan of either, it would be like going to a ball game and rooting for your team. I'm there for you. So I would just choose Backstreet Boys. (laughs) That is such a meaningful answer to me. Thank you. You would come as my moral support to the Backstreet Boys. I would wear the gear. I would practice the songs ahead of time. I might even bring up a dance. We could practice together. Okay. That's why I love you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh. I just feel all warm and fuzzy inside now. Okay. So now that you've gotten to know Dr. Reem a little more and our shenanigans, we're going to move into some real kind of heart stuff when it comes to our relationships and adjusting to parenthood. This is a really under-discussed topic, I would say, in a lot of places but comes up in almost every client session that I have. I feel like I spend a lot of time working with moms and couples on communication, understanding each other's needs, this anger and resentment that bubbles up. So let's really, let's really dive into it today. When we're talking about resentment, what is that, that we're addressing? This is also something that has been coming up a lot in sessions. And last week I led a few workshops and it was the number one thing that was coming up. And resentment is this idea that we've had like these grievances, these, these things that are happening in our relationship that we've been holding on to ways that we feel like we've been wronged and we've kind of turned into this mentality of us versus them or me versus you in our partnership. And we've held on to all those things and they go from minor irritations and frustrations And it's like, it's rolled into a ball that started off really small and now it's huge. Mm -hmm. And we have this very negative feeling towards our partner and this deep seated dislike and sometimes disdain for that person 
because all of this other stuff has been going on. And it's really, truly a result of like a lot of things and layers Mm -hmm. of things that have been going on in our relationship that may have been unspoken or just may have not changed over time. And now we're in this place where we're so disconnected and playing for, like I said, separate teams is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope that I hope that explains it. I think that it also has this element of unfairness to it or that we've been like wronged or slighted by the other mm-hmm. person. But I think that you emphasize that it's over a duration of time. So it is like accumulating this maybe one slight or one hurt or one missed opportunity to meet a need that has just kind of piled up on top of each other to create this, like you said, snowball effect to be this resentment that is almost like an undertone in our relationship over time, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This has come up, I'm telling you, so much. And I think new parents are so vulnerable to this because it's not only in your partnership can this happen because of all these unmet needs. Now we have this other person or this other party in our relationship that's joined us. And there's so much more room for things to go wrong. There's so many more opportunities for things to not go as we anticipated. So it gives birth to this resentment, I find, in new parents. Yeah. And so I think that there are some pretty concrete ways that resentment can show up in our relationships, right? Like byproducts of resentment in our relationship, Mm -hmm. if you will. What are some that come to mind? The first thing that comes to my mind, and I kind of talked about that, you know, me versus you, and it's this keeping score. This is one of the biggest things. I actually had a mom this past week say to me, um, it almost feels like we're competing for who has been doing more in the parenting game. And she just felt this tallying of like, I'm doing more. No, you're doing more. And it's coming up sometimes in the middle of the night. I remember this feeling and it's bringing up something for me. I remember this feeling of like our son was waking up so much and in the middle of the night, you're in the midst of your most vulnerable period. And you're thinking it's your turn to get up. You should get up. I've been doing this all day long. And that's where this resentment comes up when we feel like, what did you bring to the table versus what am I bringing to the table? And it feels like I'm being slighted. Right. Um, So yeah, this is something that's been coming up with the tallying and the keeping score is one of the biggest things that I find with the parents that I meet with. Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, I think you statements Mm -hmm. or these sort of, whether we even articulate them out loud or they're in our own thoughts. And I notice this Mm -hmm. a lot postpartum and actually I've learned that it was a measure of my mood and how I was feeling, how many of these thoughts I was having. And maybe we'll unpack that here in a little bit. But if I'm like in the kitchen and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm the only one that does all these dishes. You never do the dishes or you never put things where they're supposed to go or you never do this, this, this. Anytime we're really like our thoughts are really going to these you statements, these accusatory Mm -hmm. statements or, you know, there is resentment there, but there is also an unmet need underneath all of this that we are trying to communicate. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think about this you statement that's coming out, for example, with this mom that you were talking about with the waking up at nighttime. Oh, look, you're always sleeping or you never get up. Right. The real need, if we step back from that you statement for a second, the real need underneath that is I need a break. I need some Mm -hmm. sleep. Right. But we're not stepping back to really tap into the need communicated effectively, which is all something that we're going to be talking about in our upcoming workshop relationship series that's happening in March. But I think that these you statements are really a part of that keeping score or just, yeah, I think it just plays a really big role when we're using that kind of language speaks Mm -hmm. to the amount of resentment that we're, that we're harboring. Yes. And those thoughts do become verbalized. And if that's what the dialogue looks like between partners, it's, you know, we're putting each other down. We're using these general sweeping statements of you always, or you never, and we're placing that blame on one another. That's a surefire sign that resentment has made its way into our relationship. Mm -hmm. For some people though, I noticed that the opposite is true. And it's where they stop talking. That communication has, you know, really stopped completely. And what I find when meeting with these people is that they'll say something like, there's no point in talking. It doesn't help us. Mm -hmm. And they stonewall or they hold everything inside. 
and just feel like, well, this is who my partner is. It's never going to get better. And they've developed this idea that we don't even need, there's no mending this. And that's when that resentment piece has really, I think, severed that relationship so to its core, so deeply that you feel like, and you're in this place of it can't be fixed right? and there's no point. And we're just going through the motions. It almost feels like a sneaky, unfair trap because hear me out. If resentment like this anger that brews and this resentment is because of this feeling of unfairness and and things feeling unequal for a lot of moms feeling like the default partner or like caregiver, it feels like a setup for our relationships, almost not like they're destined to fail, but they're set up to be strained because so much of our like culture and society is set up to default to mom. Do you see Mm -hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. And it just feels like there's not a good I don't know, system or net or support system in place that helps couples and relationships through this transition. Yeah, absolutely. And if one person feels like they're being defaulted, it's like an automatic thing that is going to start to happen. And I think the other piece that does not help is what we see and what we consume. And I think we've talked about this on other episodes, but the comparison trap. Right. And when we start to do that and we develop expectations, or we idealize what a partner should be like based on what we're viewing or what we remember from maybe what we see in our lives or what we watch on TV or however we get these idealized expectations of our partner. But we compare this real person that we live with to this imaginary person that we see somewhere, however we see it. Right. And that resentment is bound to come up because they are not meeting the mark or maybe we are not meeting the mark. We maybe have a lot of unmet expectations all the way around. I have a really interesting example of this. In my postpartum experience, oh gosh, which one? I had three. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're all blurred together in like this postpartum fog. But I distinctly remember one of the my old coworkers, like a, a girl that I worked with, a really good friend of mine, actually. Her partner worked on the farm and was like home, worked on the farm and cared for the farm or the practice where we work. So he was around and he was accessible, though he had like responsibilities and work to do. Mm-hmm. So her postpartum experience looked like her being able to call her partner to come in from the field or the barn or whatever, whatever, anytime she needed because he was on the property. My partner was an hour and a half train ride away, downtown Toronto, working gone 12 hours a day. And there, it felt like there was no lifeline for me. And even though we knew why we were choosing that, even though we knew he was providing for our family, even though we knew like it wasn't his choice, he didn't want to be away from the family. He would love to be accessible to me. Just seeing the lifeline to support that she had that was inaccessible to me was really a trigger, I'll say, like really made me resent actually her probably to some degree, right? That level Mm -hmm. of support when really, I don't know his responsibilities. I don't know how accessible he really was or was not or whatever, but uh, it kind of caused almost resentment for the situation or for the fact that I didn't have that. And I think that speaks to the comparison that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that gets translated into the interactions we have with our partners after the fact. So it's like this internal experience has happened throughout the day. You know, your partner gets home at the end of the day and all of a sudden you're snapping and you're saying things that don't make sense in the moment to your partner, but to you, you've had this whole day to compare and create and establish this bitterness Yeah. This story to myself about the situation, right? Mm -hmm. This narrative about how I have no support from my partner, maybe in the way that she does, though nothing in how he has supported me has changed all because of comparison of my situation to somebody else's. That's a great example, but this happens every day for, I'm sure all of us. I I know that there are things that we don't even want to compare to. We are not trying to, but we can't help ourselves.
One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. It's interesting. In this particular example, went from my friend and her husband in her situation to then my partner and my situation. And it kind of like got spread out. But really, I think if we come back to the beginning of what we were saying, underneath all of this anger and frustration is an unmet need of feeling a lack of support. Mm -hmm. Right. And in my attempt to want to get the need met, I am seeing how their needs are being met. Like, oh, this must be the answer for her feeling supported. Her partner is on the property. Mm-hmm. And then I'm resenting my partner trying to say like, you need to be home more. Can you catch an earlier train? Or, oh my gosh, I can't believe the train is delayed again. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like trying to get my need met by controlling his behavior. Probably at the end of the day, I feel like that's a thing. I feel like that's a pattern probably for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we're not communicating the need. This is so important. I know that we're going to go into this in our workshop, but talking about what's productive versus what's unproductive, right? We go to this unproductive and then we kind of default into this because it's what we know, it's what we learn, it's what we observe, but it goes into that controlling dialogue. It goes into that blaming dialogue. And we want people to understand how we feel. So we do that sometimes with the words that we use to try to elicit that same pain in them rather than explain what we're feeling. 
and and explain what our needs are. It's a knee-jerk reaction, or like you said, we default to it, but it actually doesn't get our needs met and it doesn't allow our words to be heard, Mm -hmm. right? Like if we want our partner to truly tap in and meet our need, we need to package what we're saying. And in our workshop, we're going to teach these skills, the unproductive versus productive communication skills, because unless our need is packaged in a way that the other person can receive it, it's going to fall on deaf ears, as they say, right? It's going Mm -hmm. to cause like defensiveness. It's going to feel smothering or controlling to the other partner. They're not going to really understand what's underneath this resentment and anger. So I think that how we package it is vital to it actually being received well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the difference between fueling the cycle of resentment versus working through navigating what is this, what actually is this? Let's get to the root of this. Right. So there's a difference there. Why like how we are going to be saying what we're saying, is it going to worsen this resentment? Is it going to, you know, add fuel to the fire or is it going to speak to those needs that we're talking about and get some type of resolution or get us both on the same page? Yeah. Is it going to pour gas on the fire or like extinguish it and put it out and not let it grow and fester, uh, you know, burn the whole place down essentially. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of been talking a lot about like, what does resentment look like? How does it show up? And I think one of the important pieces that we've talked about is what is it exactly? Like we said, you know, unmet needs, Yeah, unmet needs. We've said this repeatedly. And I would even go and add, sometimes we feel like we are unheard. And we went back to like, you know, sometimes I feel wronged and I feel slighted in some way. And it's really part of the resentment piece that I think is really important is we feel like someone's wronging us on purpose, Mm. even when their actions are unintentional, like somebody left something out. And now I'm feeling like, gosh, you never help around here. It's with purpose that they're trying to slide us. We're taking it personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, You're just trying to make my life more difficult. Right. That's what you know, this is important to me. Why would you do this? That's something I hear all the time, right? Mm -hmm. They know it's important to me to hang their towel up when they're done or put their whatever in the laundry basket, but they don't do it. Why? Because they don't care about me or they don't care about Mm -hmm. my feelings or that it's important to me. Absolutely. Another piece that I find in sessions is the big decisions, something that maybe we agreed upon, or maybe we weren't agreeing upon and it's happened now. And I I haven't moved on from it. And I keep going back there. It's like, I filter everything in life from that decision. You know, maybe we moved because of a job for Mm. my partner. And now I'm Mm. still holding on to this because everything comes back there. Yeah. Another thing is like how many kids I actually get messages about this all the time. Like I want another kid. My partner does not. And that resentment builds because it's like, you chose this for us. And I didn't want that. And it's not resolved. What you're describing to me reminds me of something that I often name in sessions as an attachment injury, a fork in the road, or like a distinct blip in the timeline of our relationship that has caused it to feel like it's gone in a different direction. So when you're saying, oh, we had to relocate for his job and I had no one, I had to leave my family. And it becomes this sort of narrative of the relationship, this hurt that just resurfaces and resurfaces. Sometimes this can look like infidelity. Sometimes this can look like an abandonment where we had a deep need that the partner didn't perceive and they they weren't there for us in the way that we needed them to be. This can sometimes show up in labor and delivery with our partner not supporting us in a way or in the postpartum period us really needing help during the night and our partner maybe not meeting that need adequately. And we feel a sense of like abandonment, but these attachment injuries or breaks in our relationship are something like you're saying that come up over and over again and play into the the narrative that we tell ourselves about our partnership. Absolutely. And I have one example that comes to mind. It's I had a mom that I was meeting with that experienced a miscarriage and she felt like her husband was not who she needed him to be. And she felt like he should have known, you know, he should have known how to support me. And she took that as, you know, it was such an injury to their relationship and to their attachment and to their bond. And it really changed the course of their relationship because we kept going back there. 
Yeah. And it was like the relationship now is viewed through this injury, right? It's like, it's so magnified. It's every other thing that happens moving forward goes right back to that place and that wound. Exactly. You weren't there for me. Mm-hmm. How can I trust that you will be there for me again? You didn't show up when I needed you. This it's a really like it's really a feeling of abandonment. I feel like it's really the only way to describe it where there was such a strong need for our partner to be there and support us in a moment and they failed for some reason. Whether they didn't know the right words to say or physically they weren't there or emotionally, they didn't know how to attune to us. There's another piece here that I know we're also going to get to in our workshop that is really tricky and hard is this, in this moment, and I've been through a miscarriage and I didn't even know what I needed. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what I wanted or how I needed to be supported, but I expect that my partner will be there and support me the way that I need but I don't even know what I need. And so it becomes a tricky pattern because if we're not attuned to our needs or we don't really know because there's so many complex feelings happening, it's challenging for our partner to know if if we living in our body aren't even attuned to what that need is, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like we are hoping, we are feeling, especially in this postpartum experience, we are on unsteady ground. Yeah, And we're expecting this person to be stable and sturdy and to be like, like a scaffold for us. Yeah. And we're putting a big responsibility on them and sometimes even to rescue us. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't work. Right. And instead of resolving what's going on in us internally and figuring out what are my needs, what is it that I need to do as far as healing goes? What am I missing? What is my, what do I value? All of these things and exploring that we are putting that and we're, you know, facing somebody else and we're saying, this is your fault. You need to be doing this or that. And it's a very tricky place to be in. And it's a very destructive place to be in. Well, it makes me think about this sort of like fairy tale kind of expectation or unrealistic expectation that we have. And I've heard this out of the mouths of so many clients. And there's probably a time in my life when I said it too, is, well, they should know my needs. Like I shouldn't have to tell them they should know. And there is this almost like romanticized idea that our partner should just like via what osmosis or Mm -hmm. what, what is the word, you know, like via just like telepathy. No. And it's unrealistic and it's not real and true to what we see in successful, healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. We don't see telepathy we see, you know, a strong foundation and basis for like healthy communication and assertiveness and a willingness to hear and understand and package information in a way that can be received. So I think that we, we need to challenge this idea or this belief that our partners should know. And that's not to say that they don't have intuition about us. Like I can walk in and my partner has enough knowledge and experience and intuition of me to say, woo, <laughs> we're in a mood today. You know, mm-hmm. something's off. Like they're going to be in, attuned to us, but they're not mind readers. Right. Absolutely. I've heard this just as much. I've heard this from in my life personally. I remember my, my mom talking like this. Yeah. As, Sorry, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> but definitely a little bit of that, you know, white knight syndrome or knight in shining armor syndrome where someone is going to come and rescue me, or Mm. this person is supposed to know how to rescue me from this experience. And I'm not saying, I I don't want to discount the idea that sometimes our partners can be doing more, right. And they have their faults and they have their flaws. And, but a lot of the times we need to really reflect on, have I communicated this expectation? Have we agreed on these expectations? is this truly what I need or is what I need something that needs to be done personally and internally? And there's a lot of self-exploration that goes along this, but putting a lot of that stuff on the other person is unfair and it's just not going to work. And it's going to continue to build that resentment and it's going to cause disagreement and dysfunction in the relationship truly. Yeah. And when we think about the goal here, the goal is getting our need met. 
Whether mm-hmm. we're doing it in an unproductive or counterproductive way by with the you statements and leading with the resentment, we're trying to get the need met. Or whether we slow ourselves down and use productive and helpful forms of communication that have a much higher likelihood of getting the need met. Mm-hmm. Again, it's still after the same goal, which is meeting our need. One is destructive to our relationship and creates unhelpful and unproductive patterns. And the other takes more self-restraint and awareness to slow down and package it with like an I statement with more intention. Let's mm-hmm. say it's more intentional, more work on our part initially but truly gets the need met in a way that doesn't leave like a whole like leveled devastation in the, you know, in its wake. Mm -hmm. Every session, I swear to you, this happens every session because so much of what we do in the work that we do relates to this piece, the relationship piece. Yeah. But we talk about sending a message, how you'd like to receive it. This is how I say this to every single client I work with, send a message, how you'd like to receive it. And if I'm in this position personally, I always stop. And a good tool for this is like, if I were to hear what I'm about to say, how would I receive it? Yeah. Like, would I be like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Or would I be like, who do you think you are? You know, we have to start to like, take the earrings off because like, I'm so scrappy like that. Like I would be so, (laughs) who do you think you're talking to? Like, I obviously have to ring myself in, but there is this part of me that just wants to be like, pardon me. I don't Mm -hmm. like to be told anything. I just like rise to that occasion and I have to work really hard to scale it back. But like you said, My partner and I have gotten really good at packaging it in a way like I wouldn't like to be told to do something. Therefore, I make a request or I ask in a way that is tactful that can be received. Yeah. Like, and I think this is what we will really dive deep in in the workshop is identifying our own feelings and our positive needs instead of like, this is where we get to the crux of what's going on. What is the point of this message? Yeah. Is the point of my message to hurt? Or is the point of my message to resolve and move forward? Yeah. We have to really know what the intention is there because if we want to get a need met, if we want to resolve some issues, we got to figure out, well, how do I explain my internal experience to this person? Otherwise, if we're here to argue and make this worse, go for it. I mean, by all means, have at it. Start with the you <laughs> statements. <laughs> well, what I think another part of this pattern that happens is if we've got more aggressive communicators and we'll probably address communication styles in the workshop, but if we've got aggressive communicators who are only concerned with being heard, what happens when we feel like we're not being heard is we up the ante and it mm-hmm. becomes more hostile. So it's like, I'm going to throw a dagger and see if I get a response. And it's just like, in order to be heard, our voice gets higher. Our words get more mean. We just continue to up the ante to try and achieve our goal, which again, if we scale back really is being heard and getting our needs met. So, so much of this comes back to how we're packaging the information or the request or the need that we're putting out there. Absolutely. You nailed it. It's a projection of our internal experience, whatever we're putting out there when we want to just be heard. And although like there's a place for that, right? There's a place if you want to really get all of the thoughts and feelings and everything out because it needs to be released and it's, you're feeling this tension, there are far more productive ways to do it than to assign all of that onto your partner. Right. Vomit it onto your partner. Yeah. Hit below the belt and do some damage that just really feels hard to heal and stitch Mm -hmm. back up after. Right. Absolutely. There's another piece about this whole resentment conversation that I think has come up on Instagram quite a lot with my community. And and I've seen it with yours and some of your posts as well. Is this all the things that have changed for me Mm -hmm. postpartum versus the things that have changed for my partner? And I know that you and I, in preparing for the workshop series, have talked about how it's almost as though my partner leaving to go to work each day was a reminder to me of all of what I had lost and how different my life was. It looked from the outside as though his life continued on as normal. Maybe not when he was at home because it was a free for all, but when it was, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday, up, dressed, suit on, 
adult conversation, his own hot lunch, time on the train by himself, all of these things that were just such a mirror to how nothing of my life was the same. This brought up a memory for me because I remember a moment early on where I felt this. And it was because I was more needed. I was required. I was strapped. That's what it felt like, right? Those are wrapped in this experience. (laughs) I can't get out of it, right? Yes. My husband would get up without question. It didn't even really matter. He would get up and be like, hey, I'm going to run to the store. He could be gone for an hour or two. And it didn't impact the routine a whole lot. And that freedom made me jealous. It made me resentful. It made me sad for myself. And I think I was stuck in a place of like, woe is me. Yeah. And I remember conversely, like I had to go to Walgreens. I had to go run to the store and it was like, Hey, I need to go to the store. I just fed him. If he starts crying and I, here I am, you know, I'm going over all of the things. And I knew I was on a time clock. I was nursing this child of mine who needed me all the time. (laughs) And it was like, I had to dash out the door and I was like, you're sweating. You're just like thinking of like, how fast do I have to get back? All of the things that like, if he does cry, what's going to happen. And that goes speaks to the mental load that we're going to cover, but it is just such a different experience. And we don't have to talk about blame because it's not like there's someone to blame here. Yeah. But that loss of freedom, the loss of, you know, independence, or identity or interaction or whatever it is also can really just tack on, like, as we were talking about the tallying of the things and it's now like you get to, and I don't get to, and it really feels that way. I have another experience of this is coming up so clearly. And you know, what really is under the resentment and anger? I think maybe this is everyone's experience or just mine. It struck the chord of grief and grief doesn't get named enough in the postpartum period with grieving my independence, grieving my old wardrobe, grieving my body and how it fit in my clothes, grieving my social life, like all of these aspects that I was grieving. My husband got to put on the same suit each day. He got to do the same things. His body didn't change. He didn't, he wasn't being touched in the way that I was being touched and nursing and all of these things. So it was a real reminder to me of the losses and the grief that I was feeling. And it would make me frustrated. Uh, An example of this, you're talking about, you know, having a window of time that you're nursing and trying to get out here and there. And I was going back to my work Christmas party, had fed the baby, had palm bluff bottles, everything. Baby was like maybe four or five months old, my third one. And, you know, having to find a dress that even worked and like fit my body and do my hair and do all this stuff. Just so excited to get out for like a couple of hours with my colleagues and got a good two or three hours and I had a really good time. It was nice. But then I get a call that baby didn't take the bottle. He's been crying for X amount of minutes and he tried to hold it off as much as he could. He really feels bad that he had to call me, but like he's, he's done all of what he could do, you know, and it's just that loss and feeling of being trapped, like you described. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So many memories. They're just (laughs) flooding my mind right now. I'm pumping in the car while driving on the freeway. I don't know if that's recommended. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try this at home. Yeah. (laughs) But feeling that like you're punching the clock and I, I know it sounds terrible because obviously this is a short lived experience. And I know now Well, now that you're on the other side of it. Yes. This is not going to be forever, but when you're in it, it feels like it's never going to end. And this is where you're headed and you're not going to get out of this dynamic. And you're always going to feel like this, but truth be told, it does get better and you can work through it. And there are things that you can do to manage those feelings. And I think, you know, like how we talk about, even with the kids and a lot of therapists say this, you know, name it to tame it. Yeah. But when we can identify what the experience is, when we can identify, like, I'm feeling these feelings towards my partner and I have to communicate this and communication is going to be such a big piece. We can have a little bit of resolution. We can have an agreement. We can move forward as being on the same team rather than feeling so separate and working against one another. Yeah. And so like, what do we do from here? How do we acquire these skills and how do we help? And I think that this is a part that we can share and talk a little bit about now is that this is obviously a big topic 
and one that we can't cover in a single podcast episode, but we have been working really hard together, you and I, Asherina, Mm -hmm. to put together a two-part relationship series that addresses the crux of some of these issues. Things like our first part one that's coming up when parenting feels unfair, how we deal with this being the default parent, how do we communicate this resentment and feeling of unfairness? right? So that's the first part we're going to dive into. And that's on March 13th. And the second part is really addressing this longing for connection and how to reestablish and maintain connection and intimacy with our partner after children, which is something that takes intention and that we long for, but also kind of don't want because we're so touched out. And it's like a very weird, like, I want your support, but I don't want your sex right now. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh how my are gosh, we going to nail it? I want you to love me and I want your emotional support, but do not touch me. My boobs mm-hmm. have been like leaking milk all day, you know? So we're going to help really practically with skills and tools to navigate this wild adjustment in our relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that second one is March 27th. And I think I've had a lot of questions come up about whenever I've mentioned this to people is that bring your partner along, or if you feel comfortable doing so, if the two of you feel comfortable doing so watch independently, if you feel more comfortable doing that, but we really wanted to put these tools in a place where you would have access to them um, as many times as you need them. Yeah. And really work through it kind of systematically so that it makes more sense and you're not stuck in the same, you know, the same loop, just Mm -hmm. doing the same thing over and over and wondering why it's not getting any better. So this has actually come up as a highly requested piece, right? Yeah. For me, when we did is- our mummy rage. We did a, our mummy rage workshop, which we will offer again in a, at a later date. And a lot of that is about how to regulate yourself when dealing with your child and tantrums. And out of that has come this topic because moms have been asking for tools and tips and communication, you know, tools and skills to be able to effectively manage this ragey piece or anger or resentment piece with their partner, which is so valid. And you're not alone in this experience. I think that if anything, Asherina and I sharing our experiences in this episode really highlight that we all have these moments, you know, where we can share in this experience with you. And we do understand the feelings so deeply to our core. We really do but we also have learned and utilized the skills that can be taught and we're not flawed for getting angry or for getting ragey. We simply just haven't learned the effective tools and skills that we need to try and work through and put into practice. Absolutely. Yeah. So a couple of frequently asked questions about these workshops before we wrap up is that the first one is on March 13th. And that's when parenting feels unfair. Part one. The second one is on March 27th, and that's on connection and intimacy after children. They are $47 US each, or it can be bundled together to save for $79 US each. They are running at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so that's Toronto or New York time, and the playback is available. This is a really big question that we get is, I'm available, but my partner is working, or I want to tune in live, but my partner is going to be watching the kids, but I also would like them to take it in. So when you buy your tickets, you are automatically going to receive the playback after each episode so that you can watch it as many times as you or your partner would like. And that playback is available ongoing. You know, as long as this platform is standing that we're running, you will have access to to that resource to maybe do a little refresher in five or six months from now. So any other frequently asked questions, Asherina, that I'm forgetting that come to mind? Did you mention this is a Saturday? This is intentionally scheduled on a Saturday, both the 13th and the 27th in order to try to accommodate you being there with your partner if possible, or Mm -hmm. you might be pandemic parenting where you're, you know, no supports and, and we understand that as well. So Um, other questions I'm trying to think they're held live via zoom. We do Q and a, so we're going to aim for our chat portion to be, we usually do 60 minutes, but we end up going over usually 15 minutes. So we're going to aim for 75 minutes of the skills building portion, the teaching portion. And then we follow that by a 30 minute Q and a, where we take your live 
an interactive questions from the workshop and answer them live as many as we can get to in that 30 minutes. And that's a really rich portion of the workshops. Another piece is that there's comments and, and the feedback from our Mummy Rage one our mommy rage workshop that we most recently held one was at January was yes. how mm-hmm. all the moms in the comments sharing just created this sense of connection and knowing that I'm not alone in my experience and what I'm going through. And there was mm-hmm. this real sense of, I don't know if it was like solidarity or feeling seen and validated by just understanding and knowing that these were other people's experiences as well. So there's that chat and connection portion as well. So if you've got any other questions about this, you can email us or DM us. You can email hello at happyasamother.co. We can get back to you there or just visit happyasamother.co slash webinars to see the bundles, see the prices and all the information that's there. So that's happyasamother.co slash webinars. And you'll see all of our offerings there. Well, girlfriend, I had a really fun time hanging out with you today. It's always a blast. And I love that we are doing life together yet apart in this very strange (laughs) Instagram relationship that has brought us together. Thank you for your time today for doing this and for offering this up on the podcast. I'm sure that it's going to touch many, many mamas out there. So thanks for your time today. Thank you for having me. It's always a blast. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description. Or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.